This is GamesAtWork.biz, your weekly podcast about gaming, technology, and play. Your hosts are Michael Martin, Andy Piper, and Michael Rowe. The thoughts and opinions on this podcast are those of the hosts and guests alone and are not the opinions of any organization which they have been, are, or may be affiliated with. This is episode 378, Lionesses Win. Afternoon, Michael Rowe here on a beautiful Friday. Time to have fun talking tech with my friend and co-host and all-around outstanding Andy Piper. Oh, I thought you were going to say Michael Martin then, but uh, with that, with such oh, a nice why intro, say that? you know, he's 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 goofing off again. You know, I, I guess he got lost in the woods a I, little bit too far last week. I think he might be whittling spoons out of wooden branches somewhere. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Hello, everybody. Yeah, it's a beautiful day where I am actually right now. And I'm, I've just gone through the list of things we wanted to talk about. It looks like another fun show. How are things with you? Absolutely. You doing okay? Yeah. Uh, I, I, just, 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 just peachy. Uh, you know, I, yeah. I mean, as, as we announced the show, uh, I was going to do a Mia Culpa, but it's not a Mia Culpa. It was an incredible game. Even with the handball next to the goal, uh, Lionesses win by one. I'm glad that you uh, <laughs> accept that you did make that mistake last week. I, um, I, yeah. Uh, it, it was fun to watch. Yes, great great to see. And it's been really interesting to see the um, interest here in, in the UK uh, around uh, the ladies team and just the, well, uh, the way that it's inspired a lot of people. Um, so it's, well, it's really nice. The thing that amazed me was that was the largest crowd Ever, male or female, when it came to the Euro finals at 87, uh, what, 87, 129 or something like that? Viewers, right? Or, you mean you're talking about? No, no, in the stadium. Oh, okay, right. Sorry, I misunderstood. In the stadium. Cool. At Wembley. Cool. And, and you know, I was expecting at the beginning of the game, I was like, they're going to talk about 1966. Yeah, of course. They're going to talk about 19. And of course, they talked about well, 1966. I mean, we don't actually do anything. Over and over again. We don't actually do anything other than that culturally for, and haven't done for for about 60 <laughs> years. So, yeah. Exactly. Uh, or, or more. Anyway, <laughs> anyway yeah, great game. Move, Congratulations. Moving on from move that, on. though. Um, <laughs> we did get a tweet um, last week from Alexis, uh, one of our listeners and former co workers in both of our cases. Um, lovely yes. to lovely to hear from from him and sharing a very cool visualization or tool uh, showing how far you can go by train in Europe within a five hour journey, which we've just both been geeking was, out over. Oh yeah, oh yeah. What what, what amazed me and and uh, you said you know save it for the show and I'm like I don't care I'm gonna say it twice. <laughs> <laughs> what what amazed me is the number of maps you know, map points that I could pick on where five miles, no matter how big or small the country was, got you to the edge of the country, right? Uh, <laughs> you didn't cross into another country in the European Union uh, or even in, in you know, uh, the United Kingdom. You kind of stayed within the country uh, depending on where you were. I mean, um, Ireland, you could stay in Ireland and get into one or two major cities in Northern Ireland. Um in the south central part of England, you could stay there. You, you might get into Scotland a little bit, but you didn't get into Wales. It was just, it was really interesting and fascinating to me. Uh, Portugal, you stayed in Portugal. It didn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, you're right. Actually, well, it's it's the same actually. If you if you hover your mouse over the very tip of it, of England down in Cornwall, there Penzance, like the toe, if you like, if you think of the shape. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah once you're down there, you're kind of stuck in Cornwall for quite a long time. Um, you know, you can't get even very far in an hour. Um, I, I never realized that the pirates of Penzance were from a city in England. Oh, really? I never knew Penzance was a city in England. Oh, interesting. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it's it, it's interesting when you consider the actual physical geographies and then obviously the the infrastructure available in each of those places. Exactly. Um, yeah. So we've taken some some train journeys ourselves um, this year and we've done the just just hovering over the, the, the south of Italy here. Um, so we did Milan to Bari um, back in May, I think it was, mm-hmm. uh, or was it April now? And that was about, was that about five hours? Yeah, it looks like you can just about do that. I'm trying to find the right spot if I hover my mouse over to find Milan. It's pretty good with the with the labels. Oh, there we go. Milan, Milano Centrale, that's where we set off from. And that's showing within five hours you can get down to, yeah, not as far as we went, I guess. Pescara. Um, and Bari Centrale is all, all, all the you way down. You can almost get to Naples. So you can almost get to Naples. Yeah, yeah. It's it's fascinating, and of course, the, the US has a very different system. <laughs> yes, you, you five miles from uh, five hours from uh, train, you might get five miles, right? Well, uh, no, seriously. Uh, um, what what fascinates me, and and we we have another link that you had found. Um, this week that we'll talk about, and I think this is a great lead. And uh, I, I clicked on Kiev or Kiev, excuse me. Uh, and five hours gets you to the outskirts of Kiev, right? Uh, which is just horrifying and terrible. Do you know, I hadn't uh, even scrolled yeah. the uh, hadn't even scrolled the map, um, to, to move across to, to that side. Um, this all this data is, um, Actually, where is the data from? But it's showing you that it's inspired by the the uh, the German Deutsche Bahn uh, site, um, yeah. or a site that that sources data from Deutsche Bahn. But this obviously is is going to be uh, data, the data might be from different places. But yeah, absolutely, as you say, if you to hover your mouse in places where um, you've got conflict like Ukraine right now, then um, yeah, it's it's very very depressing to see how and little distance you're going to go. You know, two years ago, you click on that, and you'd probably Somewhere midway through Belarus or mm. into Poland, down into Romania. As soon as you get to the Polish border, the the, the distances do um do increase quite dramatically. Um, yeah, yeah. But at the border with Hungary, um, you have to get across the border by the looks of it. Yeah, in, in all of them. Anyway, yeah, mm-hmm. very sad. Um, but you had found another site, the GPS Jam uh-huh, site. Uh huh. Um, uh, so this which is, I think fits quite well into that. Yeah. So this is something that um, was shared on Twitter as well, showing um, since the beginning of the year, day by day, or more or less the beginning of this year, uh, maps of where GPS interference has been logged by aeroplanes during their flight uh, paths. So you can start to see again in certain locations um, where you might expect conflict to have been or where or where then well in fact that you don't get planes passing over so those are quite blank but then you could see potentially um politically motivated interference towards yeah. uh different um different countries 
different places. Yeah, I was I was again surprised by this map with the uh, interference um, near San Antonio. Yeah, that's interesting. This <laughs> in the U.S., which was just like what? This is a this is a worldwide map, um, whereas the other one I don't think I didn't actually check because this one, the other one the train one does refer directly to uh, Europe, but. Um, how, yeah, this one is global, um, and again, you, you need, it's more detailed in areas where there's presumably much higher traffic, uh, airline traffic. Um, but yeah, there's very interesting little bits of disruption down so, sort of south southwest of San Antonio towards the Mexico border, and I wonder. Mm-hmm. And then Mexico be, City and itself. Mexico City itself. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's curious, isn't it? Um, but but our podcast is more on the technology side than on the world conflict yes. side uh well uh, sometimes uh you get visibility through technology so uh very very interesting we've got something else that is more on the gaming front that i spotted this week that uh relates to culture and places and it is the uh, I, I mistyped this in our show notes originally i typed ellis island it is not ellis island um it is about ellis land which is a <laughs> farm in scotland very different very different. A farm in Scotland um, that was the home of Robert Burns, the the Scottish poet, and uh, the museum and the website for Ellis Land has created a a Minecraft environment. You can, I think, download just kind of a playable bundle um, based on Minecraft. Well, I don't know whether it's that or whether it's something you install into Minecraft, but uh, you can explore the the cornfields. Um, there are books you can open to read the poetry or hear readings. I found this really interesting. I haven't, I confess, I haven't tried it. Um, and I don't think you have either. Um, I, I have not, but this looks fantastic. It looks like a there really so interesting many... way of exploring history yeah. and these kind of things. It, it, it's one of those things that, uh, you know, a, a lot of the different virtual environments have done. I mean, one of the ones that I still enjoy periodically is... Um, uh, the the Van Gogh world and the Casablanca worlds in Active Worlds of all places. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. That's a, that's uh, definitely were, taking me back to Active Worlds. Yeah, yeah. those those are the w- the way back machine on on those, both in what you're looking at and <laughs> kind of uh, the environment you're in. But uh, thinking about you know uh, the whole Minecraft aesthetic, uh, it's you know. I won't say similar, but it's as it's it's simple. Like well, they've done they've done a nice job of making they've done a nice job of making the screenshots enticing, even if you know the graphics are, are blocky. Um, uh, they mention here that there's a recording, a new recording of "Old Lang Syne" by Emily Smith, the award-winning traditional singer. Um, there are references to. Um, some of um, Burns's poetry, and this is all actually made in partnership between the Trust for uh, Ellisland and um, the South of Scotland Destination Alliance and uh, University of Glasgow. So, fifteen students have created this space, which is nice. yeah, a great great thing to to do, and and hopefully to generate some interest and uh, generate some new new perspectives. I think we 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 had. Uh gosh, I want to say 14 years ago, worked with the uh, state of North Carolina looking at creating a similar build uh, for the um, the unearthing of the Queen Anne's Revenge, huh. uh, Blackbeard's ship. Yeah. If I remember, that's the name 
Uh, and uh, that that was a really fun project. I don't know if they ever finished it. We we started doing some work with them, uh, but uh, similar type of environment. You could explore where the divers were going to go and see what it was looking like, et cetera, as they were unearthing it and doing stuff for the museums. I, I'm actually going to switch around the, the, the order of our, of our next two links that we were going to hit on here um, that were around Metaverse, because one of them is kind of a quick hit. Um, my friend um, James Watley, Watley Dude on Twitter, tweeted something that he'd posted on LinkedIn. It's a public LinkedIn page update um, about um, the VMAs having... Uh, announce the nominees for the best metaverse performance uh, and then going on to point out of course that all of these nominations are for video games or virtual things rather than being metaverse and in fact uh, one of them being BTS in Minecraft and Minecraft having explicitly uh, turned down NFTs and, um, and various other things recently um, pointing out that these are not decentralized Web3 platforms um, <laughs> right. powered by virtual currencies. These are all things in environments like Roblox, Fortnite, Minecraft um, that we've that we've spoken about those kind of uh, game environments before. Um, and but moving across from the gaming aspect into sort of more serious uh, funding for metaverse environments, virtual environments. We reach a story from VentureBeat that popped up on my feed, I think shortly after we recorded last week, actually. And uh, this is entitled, uh, the US Army Not Meta is Building the Metaverse. And once again, seeing the industrial uh, military complex uh, contributing major funding towards creation of things uh, such as obviously going back to the beginnings of the internet um, yeah. and talking about some of the stuff that, that the military, U.S. military is doing in, in, in the metaverse. What do you think? Yeah, I, well, uh, there's a couple of things that this immediately brought me to mind. Um, I, I have a T-shirt uh, <laughs> from 15 years ago, maybe 16 now, 15 years ago, uh, with some work that I did with a company called Virtual Heroes. Uh, who actually did work with the military back then building virtual environments for training simulations mm. for uh, Iraqi checkpoints. Mm -hmm. we th I think we even talked about them on the show 10 years ago. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, other projects uh, that were going on uh, with different uh, environmental studies. What I found really interesting about this is uh, the linkage to the digital twin, right? Um <clears throat> Well, th th this did, when I was working in. This is not just. I was working. Uh, 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 this is not just any digital twin, though. I mean, this is. This is. That's what I'm getting. <laughs> yeah, this is a true digital twin of Earth. Right. It's an incredible the 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 kind of uh, vision for this, at least the one to one yeah. digital twin yeah. of the Earth that streams or will stream high fidelity photorealistic terrain data to simulations. Really fascinating. Well, you know, uh, just think about uh, uh, Microsoft Flight Simulator right now. When you're running that in, in max resolution mode, there is fairly significant digital twinning going on of the environmental and terrain data of the Earth. You're correct. You're yeah, absolutely. Over. 
Yeah. Uh, you've got the weather coming in. You've got uh, the the ground geometry. Uh, you can, you know, at the same time, use something like um, a software-defined radio to get information about planes flying in that area. I mean, the data's there. The fact that they're doing this is just really fascinating to me. Uh-huh. Um, and, and obviously, when you think of um, situational awareness and... Um, running what if scenarios and other simulations, an environment like that becomes, uh, I hate to say it, priceless. Yeah. Well, also, um, arguably, um, yeah, I mean, as the internet was initially, and, and of course, times and trends and forces are, are moving around it, um, an open, potentially an open space. Um, uh, yeah. may soon be, as it says here, the military metaverse could be a microcosm of what may soon be a large-scale open-source digital world not controlled or dominated by commercial entities. Um, there are references oh. to this synthetic training environment again. And I've just gone through, um, I've just gone, gone to gamesatwork.biz, our, our website, uh, where, of course, you can search through any of our uh, episodes to see if we talked about the synthetic training environment before. And I can't find it if if we did i certainly lots of references to the u.s army through the history uh of the last 10 years um and more of our shows uh and and their influence the last thing i found was the conversation we had a few months ago just before um you went to the uh apple developer conference about uh uh dogs wearing vr goggles i think but (laughs) but, um, that's quite a different focus well, one, one thing uh, our, our um, international, i.e. people outside the U.S., so you consider the U.S. international and, and local being in England, uh, but our, our people outside the U.S. may not realize is um, things that the U.S. government pays for with taxpayer monies uh, are by regulation, by law, become not quite open source, but they become assets for the country, right? Uh, not and, and there's some, you know, security and other things uh, that may override that at times. But the point that you made about this becoming the foundation for a potentially large open source uh, real world simulation uh, is spot on because it does the technology being funded by U.S. taxpayers uh, through the military becomes the right of the U.S. taxpayers uh, to be able to use that. And uh, that should really make uh, the the foundation for an open environment for us. There's an entirely um, additional conversation we don't have time for this week um, about um, uh, about some some of that data uh, um, paid for, or that those systems paid for by um, U.S. taxpayers and how that ha- that is the is is the theoretical and actual case for most most situations, but there's a few things where there have been wrinkles. And there's a big exception. Yeah, 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 yeah. But anyway, <laughs> let's move along to something that we didn't have time to yes. talk about last week, but we had seen, and both you and I, Michael, think is very oh, cool. Um, and that yes. is um, this development that where that is said that we well, I saw it via a tweet on a tweet from CBS, and there's a little video in, in, embedded in that. Uh, researchers, um, are they in Texas, I think? Um, uh, yes, who have, University of Texas, I think. Yeah, have turned... Rice. Have taken dead spiders 
and turned them into necro necrobotic grippers. So they've taken a dead spider. If you think, imagine a kind of a curled up dead spider, and they found a way of kind of pumping more or less just air, I think, into it in, in a way that that reactivates the, its autonomous nervous system um, such that well, it can become a gripper and be used for picking up small but heavy objects. Well, what I learned from this, it's, it, it's, it's not the, the neural system. They're hydraulic. Yes. Spiders are yes. hydraulic. I did not. I always wondered it's, why they always flipped the on their back and curled their legs when they died. It's the air, well, isn't now it? Now I know. Yeah, it's, 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 a, it's in the hydraulic system in the legs that the natural curve and position is for them to be curled up. And they use their their nervous system and a very integrated thing of, of hydraulic-like pumps inside the body to flex each of the legs independently and open them up. If you've got time to watch and, a one-minute video on Twitter with, yeah. with, 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 you don't even need to switch the sound on it. You've got a little, you know, narration there um, for you. Um, you you'll what, see what some demos. What could possibly go what wrong? What could go wrong? A, 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 a university in, in, in Texas, you know, not, in the, <laughs> not exactly in the desert, but, you know, somewhere, you know, warm, with a lot of dead spiders starting dead to spiders. experiment on them, uh, Michael Martin is is really going to look forward to his next holiday down anywhere in in uh, in the southern well, states. He, he, he flies through Dallas a yeah. lot when he's flying yeah. on American. Yeah, he so, should definitely. You know, yeah. I'm sure there's dead spiders at that airport. That's, that's really true. Michael <laughs> probably wants to start checking his uh, luggage a bit more carefully as it comes through. Yes, maybe just yes. don't check. Don't check a bag, Michael. Just don't check. Yeah, yeah, just avoid that if you're going through uh, through through Dallas. Anyway, yeah, it's it's very cool, <laughs> very interesting. Um, of course, there are some great uh, Jeff Goldblum uh, responses to the tw- uh, fly. Uh, tweets and other um, <laughs> and, and things here. Well, well, speaking of terrifying tiny little things, yes, uh, terrifying. You, you found this great website called Eight Tiny. Sorry, tiny eight-bit emulators. Yeah, this has been around for a while. Uh, um, I yeah. believe certainly um, there's a blog that goes back through last year, uh, and I can't remember when it started, but I, I've been aware of it for a while. Uh, well, I'm just going back through I the blog, it. and I'm seeing it started back in 2007. So this is not a new thing, um, but um, it's a lot of it's a web page with a gallery of embedded eight-bit emulators, all runnable in in the browser. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've got machines here, um, a real range of machines, some, some of which that may or may not have existed, but you've got, certainly got Amstrad, um, ZX Spectrum, uh, Commodore VIC-20, C64, which we'll come on to, the Acorn Atom, which is more sort of my area of 8-bitness. Um, you've got stuff running forth, you've got stuff running basic. Michael ran me, uh, screen shared with me earlier and showed me his, uh, his basic coding skills, which just blew my, me away. My elite basic blew me away. He, he he was able to <laughs> say hello world in 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 a number of lines. It was very exciting. Yes. And then there's some there's some sort of <laughs> graphics and games and other things here. It's really fun. Really fun. What I love about it is the number of games that are blatant ripoffs of existing other games. arcade games at the time. Yeah. Uh, like uh, what was it, Fruity Frank, which was Dig Dug? Yes, yeah, some slightly, slightly differently named games here. But they've also yes. got Prince, say, Prince of Persia in there. Um, yep. uh, they've got different versions of several of them. Jet Set Willia Classic, although I never played it on the the Atom. There's I played goblins. that back on the Amstrad. Uh, CBC. 1943. 
Yeah. Oh. So there's some great games on there. I have to but spend some time. The other thing, though, is that it's um, the C64 month, right? Yes, yes. It is C64 month. What does month, that mean? Right? That, that, that means you should go fire up your old Commodore 64. But but, but more importantly, <laughs> it's uh, it's a it's a celebration, right? There's a, this is a yes. significant year for the Commodore 64. 40 years, I believe. 40 years of the Commodore 64. Now, I didn't buy one Which, of those, um, you know, the pocket, or the, the, you know, the reduced size ones. Um, yeah. But I've been very tempted. I do actually have a Commodore 64 in my house, an original Commodore 64. I think I may have <gasps> spoken about it before on one of our shows. Yeah. Pro- but I, I had until what was it ninety two, I had the SX sixty four, which was the luggable twenty pound, wow. uh, with a five inch color monitor and a built in floppy. Wow, wow! So this is um, awesome. This one I never owned one. I, my friends had one. I was always an Acorn um, person, but um, my good friend Mark Callahan, I used to work with. Uh, about five years ago, shipped me his Commodore 64 um, between offices. <laughs> so I had the glorious moment of unboxing this Commodore 64 in, in our office and several workers who were uh, co-workers, several, several co-workers who are significantly different in age to me, uh, wondered about what this thing was. Uh, anyway, the challenge he set me was to, to make it tweet, um, which I did do. Uh, by of course you did. converting it into a USB keyboard. Um, it's, a, it's a reversible process, um, but you can plug it in as a USB keyboard. It's just that it's an absolutely terrible keyboard. Um, anyway, I oh. bought the uh, C64. But it had good click. It had good oh, there's click. a very nice, very nice clicky action. I bought the, um, Michael, you shared the C64 month tweet about the 40 years of C64 bundle on itch.io. Yes. Um, if you're not familiar with itch.io and you're a listener to our podcast, then uh, it's probably a site you might be interested in learning about. It's um, an indie uh, games developer and release and sort of community, um, multiple platforms, um, uh, often release sort of free stuff, um, release stuff of bundles in, in a very, you know, reasonable prices this is a ten dollar starting at ten dollar pay what you want to get i think 40 items of c64 games and music from people that are currently still building uh for that platform and i'm looking forward to it because i can probably run a lot of it on the steam deck so um it's 26 items i'm not i I was i don't want to mislead our listeners but um it looks really fun so. Yes, because 26 has just a direct tie-in to the 64 and the 40 years. Okay, they're all even. It's it's <laughs> it's uh, it's people that still make uh, content for the Commodore 64, awesome. and um, it's it's really exciting to see. And I'm delighted to give support to people that that are building cool retro stuff. Well, I I know we're just about out of time. But let's but, let's uh, talk about one last thing. One last thing, and that's you know it is summer. It is summer, so that that I know what that it makes you think of. Pe- people go on vacation. Oh, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah, I guess so. I, I, I've 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 heard of such things, um, and uh, our 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 co-host lost in the wilderness of the mountains of North Carolina evidently had time to find um, uh, a, a nice link to the Disney Originals Summer Vacation. 
Star Wars Lego, Lego Star Wars Summer Vacation series. Now streaming. On Disney+. Plus. We're beginning to, we're not even sponsored by them and we're beginning to sound like we are. But if they want to sponsor us, um, uh, just reach out to us over at our Twitter account. Yeah. Look, we're all uh, big games at work underscore biz. We we are all big fans of uh, Star Wars, um, of Marvel, um, watch all the Marvel shows and movies, MCU fans. We would be happily happy to talk more about Disney Plus. Um, I'm, in the meantime, going to again be uh, reserve my judgment on this uh, particular uh, animation. It's uh, 48 minutes. I did double check on this before we came on the show. Um, it's doing that thing that makes me sometimes grind my teeth where they're mixing up the eras a bit too much uh, for, for yeah. my liking, just based on what I've seen in the uh, uh, on the website. But well, well, we'll see how it goes. Well, hopefully you'll... Just like last week, I talked about I was ready to be disappointed again by the Dungeons and Dragons movie. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> maybe we'll see how Disney does with uh, vacation. Well, Michael, if uh, Disney, if if our friends at Disney Plus do want to contact us, remind remind us how they could contact us. And well, they could always go to our website at gamesatwork.biz. Or, as I mentioned, they can go to pretty much any of the socials. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, oh, you know what? I have a better idea. They could go to the Apple podcast um, feeds and rate us and give us a review from the official from the Disney, Disney Plus, Disney Plus account. account. Well, I mean, even if even if our listeners are not from Disney Plus themselves, then first of all, they should tweet to Disney Plus to tell them that they should, might want to listen to our show. And secondly, they Absolutely. should also uh, make sure they rate us in uh, their podcast app of choice. Um, and it's been a, it's been it's been a lot of fun again this week, Michael. Uh, it's always a pleasure always to is. hang out with you. Uh, and, Always um, is. I, I, I hope that you have an excellent uh, week coming up. And you, and you, and uh, yeah, I look forward to chatting again soon. See ya. Sounds good. Bye. You've been listening to GamesAtWork.biz, the podcast about gaming technology and play. We are part of the Blueberry Podcasting Network and would like to thank the band Random Encounters for their song, Big Blue. You can follow us on Twitter at gamesatwork_biz or at our website at gamesatwork.biz. Mm-hmm.